ko ngā rangatahi, ngā rangatira a pōpō. The youth today are leaders tomorrow. Nga iwi o te motu, nau mai anō ki te hōtaka nei a te ahikā, kwau tēnei, ko Justine Murray. Ko Maraia Rakurakua hau, and this is Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. Hea hana kaupapa e whaiake nei. What's coming up, Justine? Harp playing. Oxford doctorate holding Ngāpare Hopa joins us today, and she's proof of what is achievable when people invest their time and belief in you. We have a very candid cordial about the leadership grooming that took place during her childhood in the 1940s to the 1950s. Then we can't go to school to Epsom. <laughs> but then, you were still boarding but, but I was at still Queen Vic. Boarding at Queen Vic. And so I'd help out with the um, cooking in the weekends. You know, that way I sort of earned my board and that, that way. And that was invaluable. At that expense, only Māori in this class of all upper class Pākehā girls. That would have been an eye-opener. Well, for me, for me too. Mayhana Jerry is looking forward to a new sports complex, Ngā Pura Pura, currently being constructed at Te Wānanga Oraukawa in Ōtaki. It opens in February next year. Mayhana Jerry joins Justine later on in the show. Now he has a whittle. A challenge. That pepeha, will you say what your maunga, mountain, river, awa, whenua, land is, is more than just that? I guess, you know, we talked about cultural validity. Part of that is saying to, to our people that, you know, we have these pepeha, um, these spiritual and, you know, important places in, in our own specific iwi. Um, but it's probably a great opportunity to to engage with those areas in a physical sense, you know, to actually run up that taumata, um, to swim in that moana, and to, to really retrace the, the footsteps of our tūpuna, because that's what they were doing. Ko nā rangatahi, nā rangatira mō a pōpō. Our youth today are our chiefs tomorrow. It's a saying that's pretty self-explanatory when we talk about succession planning, or in this case, how a few youth feel about their future contribution to their iwi. I want to come home eventually. I'll go out and do all, all the things I want to do and come home and, you know, be a real big um, kaya whina. More from Sunny, Rahira and Tomairangi later on. And in between all that, some tracks from Fiddy Muckle Black's album, The Late Night Plays. Nā reira whānau mā, koe haere atu, koera ngā kaupapa kōrero mō tēnei haura. That's what's coming up this hour. Ngā pare, pare hopa, was brought up at a time where women were as able to put their hands to a plough as they were to play classical music. She grew up with the belief that anything was possible. Add in support of whānau and teachers and you have the perfect ground for learning. Mariah met with Ngā pare on the eve of receiving a Tākini Ihaka Award at Ngā Taonga Toi a Te Wakatoi the Creative New Zealand Awards. And because awards tend to be a time of reflection, I asked Ngāpare if she could pinpoint an event, book or person that had shaped her life. My own curiosity about things and um, having, having parents, especially my mother, who was very creative. She, she could make a, a you know, 
a dinner out of nothing. Hey. Make a ball gown out of a flower sack. A flower sack. <laughs> and then yes. Actually, she did that. She used to use those bags to, because she did all our sewing and um, made my um, brother's little short, you know, short pants. She used to line them with this, that flower bag stuff. She, um, she's very, you know, when I'm reflecting, she was, she was a very sp- special person. And, and that when, when we, I finished primary school, went to the local primary school, it was a mixed school, Māori and Pākehā kids. Um, she was asked by a, an itinerant missioner, Miss Mata, I remember her. She used to look, and look after her father, who was aged. He was a you know, master of divinity anyway. She said to my mother, where are you going to send Polly to school? They called me Polly in those days. And uh, I remember, I think mum said, oh, I should just be going to the tick in Hamilton. And Miss Mattis, and her Miss Mattis said to her, well, you know, the church has scholarships to go to for Queen Victoria School. Do you think Paddy would like to go? So I, I remember Mummy asking me this, and I said, oh, that'd be a good idea. You know, I wouldn't mind that, getting away from the other the village. <laughs> um, and I suppose now to, to talk about an event and a, a career... It began with Queen Vic and with a headmistress who was, well, I reckon one of the finest teachers, but also a manager of um, people's talents. And what was her name? Miss Berridge, Alice Berridge. Hibaka, mm. Paga, Paga. So, come Form 3, found myself going to Queen Vic. Leaving home. Leaving home. Leaving a really mildly upbringing. Yes. Um, well, we lived in a... Our village in Hukanui was you know, a mix of Māori and Pākehā. And even though we had a few uh, in primary school, you know, sort of typical sort of fight with the... push the parking with their bikes when they got a bit cheeky. Um, yeah, I went to Queen Vic... And I remember all Mummy and Daddy had to pay for with my clothes, school clothes. But the rest was, I mean, in those days, that was 70 pounds. That was a lot of money. money. And we were poor hunters and anything. Like most of, you know, most of whanau in our district, actually. Because we, my dad and Mum worked what I came to call much later in life, a subsistence farm was part of that Tepoya and Nata scheme to put Māori's back on the land. But when they did that, I mean, you, you were stacked with uh, debt because, you know, you had to borrow from the Māori fairs to... And many of those farms ended up getting lost yes. after years and years yes, of people working right. on them, like 25 years, yes. because there was so much debt. That's right. And with not very much help, you know... And they were like, I, I know one whanau in particular, they drove the cows off, they um, looked and had a farm in Tuako, and they brought the cows down to Tipuias and added their stock to her farm at Ngarawahia. 
They couldn't make it. They couldn't make it. So we um, heartbreak stories. Those ones. Very heartbreak about those subsistence mm. farms. And, and and nobody's paid enough attention to that. The struggle there. It makes somebody you know very good thesis for somebody sometime rather. And so to answer your question, I spent um, let's see. 6A, um, six right, I mean, through to the sixth form. We didn't have a 6A. I was the only 6A student. So Miss Berry sent me to Epsom Girls Grammar in Epsom and do just. So I had two sets of uniform, Queen Vic uniform and, 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 uh, Epsom. and Epsom. And would that have been unusual at that time? Yes. Mm. But Miss Adams, who was the um, new principal at at Epsom Girls and Miss Birch were friends. And so, you know, between them, she, she Miss Birch, um, asked uh, Miss Adams if she could accommodate me. So during the week, I'd go to school at Epsom. <laughs> and but then, you were still boarding but, but at, at Queen Vic. But I was still at Queen Vic. And so I'd help out with the um, cooking in the weekends. You know, that way I sort of earned my board and that, that way. And that was invaluable, uh, that experience. Only Māori in this class of all upper-class Pākehās girls. That would have been an eye-opener? Well, for, yeah, for me too. So what happened was that they were all going on to varsity, so... Oh, I hope I chopped it I think I'm going to yeah. go. <laughs> If they're going, I can yeah, go. Yeah, that was, and actually, that's what happened. But, but though there were sort of girls also who would, who um, who would, who encouraged me. You know, we're not leaving you behind. Yeah, that sort of thing. So they became good friends. They can be very good friends. And some, do you still keep in contact yeah, some with some of them, them today? Some of them, some are gone, lost, and um, so and that's where it all started, really. So it sounds like you've always had a real love for learning. Yeah, yeah. I did well at Queen Vic. You know, that's the... Um, give, give, give you a bit of confidence to carry on. Yes, yes. I, I did... Um, what did you say? They say um, I was an A student, or wouldn't call it A student. Um, and there was a bit of competition at Queen Vic too, you know, in, 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 in class. Um, I remember those days. I wanted to do medicine because among the, the, the things that that school exposed us to was not only the city, but Miss Perry was very good about ensuring that um, we were not crested. You know, we sang in the cathedral choir. We always had representation of student choir. Um, we learned music. We were, in those years, um, we participated in what they call now the big sing. You know, inter, inter, inter school singing, and um, or we we yeah we were tops in the with basketball at that time before netball was introduced. We had some outstanding, like June Mario. You know, June was a senior to us, and of course, um, in in you see, it was all of that exposure, um. And we were not, whenever people came to visit, um, whether from the church or elsewhere, um, church or elsewhere, they would come to visit school, you see. 
and we would entertain them with action songs of Waiata and things like that. Um, but we participated in like St John's competition for three years running. We ran, we won the New Zealand St John's Ambulance National First Aid Competition. So it was it was a number of things were happening in all through that quite formative period in terms of careers and things like that. But at that time, what was open to us? Just teaching and nursing. And I wanted to do medicine because um, it was a top subject and I was really interested in it. But I didn't, we didn't have the money to go to, to Otago Medical School. And besides, you had to have you know, really high grades. Well, you can't go very far if your math's not very good. Yet, in this case, you could go to the anthropology department. And that's where Napare and her peers that included Pat Hohepa headed. So 1950s Auckland University, why anthropology? And there was a reason behind that, because Bruce Biggs was there. You know, Kei Whakahare Māori. We had a very sympathetic anthropology staff who... Apart being boozing mates, you know, they were very, very supportive of us. Um, except at that time when I started my first year, Māori was not considered a language. Well, I didn't so what year are we talking? This is... Um, for, oh, 1950s? 50s, in the 50s. Māori wasn't considered... Uh, um, sort of relevant or it could not be counted among the nine units that you had to do for an, a BA and you had to do a language unit so I was struggling with German, Pat was struggling with Italian it was only in the second year that I was there that Bruce was able to get through the University Senate um, recognition for the language and its um, validity or, or uh, that it could fulfil the language unit. So you're talking about Bruce Biggs, who was an author of some of the earlier yes. Te Reo Māori language yeah. learning Let's learn Māori. Let's, Let's learn Māori, that was yes. it. With people like that, and, and Bill Pearson, who was English, Bill Pearson, who were just, you know, they'd do things like, um, apart from extra tutorials, if we wanted to work away from our noisy flats, if we were... They'd make their space available. available. So you're talking about Bill Pearson, who was a lecturer at Auckland University, and he was from down at Greymouth. Yes, so I thought we were very lucky to have people like that give us support. But then we had each other too. So who were your peers? Um, Pat Hohepa, Peter Gordon, Turo Royal, Taimahinga Potaka, or she was a towa. Um, it was a mixed group of um, Māori, Māori students who were also at training college, Auckland Teachers Training College, and those of us who were full-time university at the time. Uh, but with the same crowd, they were finishing with papers, you know, to, to, to improve their um, status, of course. It was a mixed group. We started the first Māori club. Hey. And that was, you know, fun. Parkers used to like coming to our 
about to our coffee evening they were called. Oh, to come and ogle at all the Māori girls, no doubt. <laughs> in the first two years at, at Auckland, I did okay. First year, yeah, I did better my first year. Second year, I already started playing around a bit and then ran out of money. I couldn't expect my parents to put me through. So what I did was I enrolled at the, in the secondary school teachers' program at Auckland, Auckland Teachers. And that was an only one-year course, you see. And so once I was through that, then I was out teaching. And my first job was at um, um, out in um, I, Winfield College, I think it is. Started off with 90 students. And I just went down from there. It, it was rough because, um, you know, I was raw and I had to, because it was a small school, um, they didn't have enough money, I suppose, to, go out, to teach, like, the music and the art, music and art, and, of course, after school sports. So I ended up doing those, besides social studies and geography and those sort of things. So, I mean, a lot of people end up doing that, not end up, often start off their teaching careers doing those sorts of things. Um, after two years, I got a bit tired of it um, because I was also finishing off my degree at the same time and I'm not getting back into town from school if we had sports to do. And I had some mates who were working in Maori uh, Affairs. So what did I do? Quit teaching, enrolled as a cadet in the cadet um, training program as a welfare officer. Hello. It didn't last too long as a cadet. It got thrown to the walls. Because, I mean, there's I mean, urban problems, quote, quote. So I, I actually enjoyed that, but it got harder when you get sent out to a case and, you know, a mother had gone and deserted the kids or the papa would bring up and say, oh, you know, uh, I need, I've got to go to work, I need somebody to, to look after my kids. That used to break my heart. Oh, uh, or you had to go and drag these kids out of bed because oh. you'd, you know, you'd, you had everything to do. Placement, um, whānau, domestic things. I said to my parents, and I, I got and run down. And all at the age of under 25, yeah. you're dealing with this. Mm. My parents, I, I got run down. And my father said, oh, that's, that's a country dinner. Um, well, I guess because you're dealing with things beyond your life years. Yeah. Experience. Experience. I just, I just, I couldn't, you know, I was not going to, I used to take those kids home with me until we could find somewhere, little ones, you know. Or somebody would report and all this, there's an eight year old looking after a three year old baby. You go around to the house with no cane in the cupboard, baby's tarot is full of tickle and oh. I remember that, but that, that time quite a lot of pain. Because I had to make up my mind, I mean, how much can I take? Much more can I take this? So, um, I had two years of that. And then John Waititi, he had a, he had a lot to do with Queen Vic, and 
he came to me one day and he said, Miss, Miss uh, Gardner at Auckland Girls is looking for a, a, a Māori teacher who would help her look after the, the girls that were, were Māori girls who were um, accommodated at the hostel, the school hostel. She needed a liaison as well as someone who would teach. So that's what I ended up doing. So you ended up going to Auckland Girls as a matron slash teacher? Yes, teacher. Mm. And I enjoyed that too. Um, and for the sort of first time, you felt as though, you know, you'd spend not only time in the classroom with them and after school, but you'd spend time in there residential hall and if they had it, I do you know um, there'd be a tongue young or something like that ring me up the matron would ring me up that that was also showed me what girls who come from um, the sticks from the sticks <laughs> yeah. yeah so I spent um what's this 90 I spent three years there at Auckland Girls Grammar um, and after that, I went to England. I was going on my OE. So, what led to that sudden decision? I mean, it's a pretty big one. So, you decided to do your doctorate well, over at Oxford. Oh, that was some time there. Well, you see, everybody was doing it. Everybody was going on their OEs. And I thought, oh. Not everybody, nobody. <laughs> Maybe the people you were hanging out with. Yeah, that could be. Could be. I hadn't really tasted. We, we had fun over there, of course, but anyway, I saved the money, joined this club, East West Club it was, found myself going to England on a, a Greek ship called the Chandras Lines and um, meeting up with a couple of Māori kids on that. And I found myself in London. <laughs> um... Joined Timutinim at the New Zealand House and wasn't calling Atidanana then. So you're talking about Timoti Kadetsu? Yes. Timoti was there. And, well, quite a few. I got Kurs from down um, Fukasohe. Esther and uh, Ella were there. Isn't it a funny thing? My my brother's daughter and my niece ended up marrying one of those Kurs and much, much longer. Uh, much, much, much later. So I, that's what I did. Um, now it was, you could get a teaching job very easily, but they'd send you anywhere and all over the place. Um, and, but it was good money. And then I had some mates that were up at Oxford, and um, just one weekend they came down and they said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm teaching. Why didn't you come up to Oxford and come for a visit? So I did. I got talking they said, you know, you know, you've already got a first degree in anthropology. Yes, so? Well, why don't you enrol in the institute? Because they only take people with first degrees and not necessarily in anthropology either. So, and they said, you know, find out. Which is very kind of long story short. And, and I, had a, I went to visit um, oh, Prof Needham at the time. 
And he said, oh, it's not that difficult. But what you have to do is become a member of a college. If you want to read anything, it's the word, not study, it's read. Yes. If you want to read anything, you have to become a member of a college. Oh, well, there were all these women's colleges. They weren't co-ed at the time. You know, just make an application. And so I thought, oh, yeah, okay. And then I thought, how am I going to pay for it? So, first, they were very encouraging. So first, I thought, what? Nothing harmed. No, no, can't do any, anything harmful by applying. So I went to the institute and got a bit more information. Not a problem. You just need some referees and, um, you know, your, not so much your, your transcripts, so much as the subjects, you know. The, they, they didn't even want to know whether you did a C or a D or a B. Gosh, not now. Not now, quite different. Yeah. <laughs> well, in those days too, um, there were a lot of colonial. These, these were anthrop- the institute was very Africa focused. Um, so this is an institute in England. England at Oxford, Oxford Institute of Social Anthropology, and of course it was headed up by really quite powerful international people. Um, so and so, I didn't have any trouble. I got admitted, and I got registered at St Hugh's College, and then found out what it was going to cost. I thought, oh God, I can't ask Mum and Dad to pay that much money. But I thought, well, there's the Tony Trust Board on Dad's side, and Tuvaretoa on Mummy's side. So I thought, oh, bugger, I'll have a go. So I wrote to Uncle Hippie then, and I said, Look, I have this opportunity to do first a diploma, and if I score there, then I can go on and do a, you know, another first degree. Anyway, it took a while, but the story I heard, I was told, is that Hippie said to Uncle Pei, Jones. If you if you come up with um, with a sum, I'll match it dollar for dollar. And that's what happened. That's beautiful. So that's the type of care that we showed towards the young people. Yeah. That, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, that just doesn't really seem to happen now. Well, not in that way. Well, I think it was because there were not too many of us. You know. Nowadays, I think they're like, we've got in cheese and palinini on my great my great grandmother's side, on daddy's side, and now you've got to. It's not, you can't take it for granted. Just before you fucking because of the fucking you have now to demonstrate that you've, you can, you. Are worth the investment, actually, that's what it's about. So with the investment made by Tainui and Te Tour, did you feel obliged once you'd finished towards your iwi? Um, yes, I did. I was coming home anyway. 
um, it took me three years to do, it took me three years, 63 to 66, to finish um, the diploma and write uh, diploma and write my, took me two years to write the billet. Then I came home. So you know how these days, um, Napari, it's all about, you know, plan, plan, plan. We've got to plan your your life from almost from the time of conception to, you know, to when it ends. Seems your plan was very organic. <laughs> <laughs> I like that word. It just happened. <laughs> it, was, it was an opportunity that came and I thought, oh, that might be nice. Yeah. Kia ora, Dr Ngāpare Hopa. To listen to that kōrero or anything else from Te Ahika again, head to radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. We heard earlier from Dr Ngāpare Hopa, who talked about her academic achievements. She's an example of what our students today can aspire to, which brings us to our next kōrero about what Te Wharewānanga o Raukawan o Taki are doing. As we gather life experiences, whether personal or professional, we talk about filling our kite nemeraya. Aida, and it's a good metaphor to use. Every day we're filling our kite with something, learning new things, travel experiences, relationships. Well, you get the gist. At Te Wananga Oraukawa, they're building a purapura, a Māori wellbeing facility or sports recreation centre that's been in the pipeline for the last 10 years. Encompassing Te Whare Tapawha, Te Taha Wairua. That's the spiritual side. Te taha hinenaro. That's your mind or mental health. Te taha whānau. Your whānau, your family. Te taha tinana. That's the physical well-being. Now, this facility opens next February. Mehana Jury explains the rest with Justine. Uh, I te taho tōku papa ko Ngāti Kauwhata, uh, Ngāti Raukawa, uh, me rangitāne oku karangatanga iwi. I te taho tōku koka, tōku mama, ko Ngāti Porau, ko Ngaitahu, ko Rongo Whakāta oku Karangatanga Iwi. Engari, i te puake mātau, ko oku tuahine, tōku teina i roto i te rohe o Kawakawa o Aurangi, arā ko Fioring tērā, i roto anō hoki te, te takiwa o te manuatu. Ai uh, nai nei, kei te mahi ahau ki konei ki te wānanga o Raukawa. Um, currently, I uh, work as the, the kaihai tū of Te Whare Oranga, uh, which is a, a whare that um, focuses around Māori well-being. So we've, we've got a range of programs um, which, which focus on different elements of Māori well-being, social well-being, for example, um, environmental well-being, looking at the taiao, um, and also, um, the programme I have most involvement with is the Kawa Oranga programme, which is a focus around physical well-being for, for whānau hapu and iwi. Particularly in terms of te taha tinana um, as a whare wānanga, I, I guess where we have a huge responsibility to our tauira, to our students, to, to make sure that when they're with us, um, we're able to fill their kite up with, with the tools and knowledge that they need to be able to make some good informed choices around lifestyle. Um, not only for themselves, but I, I think for their whānau as well, so that um, during their time here with us at uh, Te Wānanga Raukawa, um, we like to think that they go through a, a transformational experience um, and that they leave this place with a few more um, tools, if you like, to, to put into their kite so that when they go home again, um, they can increase their, their contribution to you know, their whānau, their hapu and their iwi.
And so what makes you qualified <laughs> to do this type of mahi? That's a good question. Um, my, my background's actually in, in te reo, and I um, started off my, my professional life, if you, if you like, as a, a teacher and lecturer in, in te reo. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of um, the influences that I've had, my father's always worked. Um, and your father is? Uh, Mahana Mason. Um, he's had a long time in, in Māori health, and, and I guess as I've grown older, I've, I've come to appreciate a bit more <laughs> some of the work that um, Dad's done, and it's really probably influenced um, my own my own areas of interest um, to the extent that now I've, I've really come out of um, teaching in te reo and and I've started to work, I guess, on, on developing programs that focus around physical well-being. And there's also this this opportunity, I guess, to try and integrate things like te reo um, and mātauranga Māori into the approach. So um, are you really excited about it? So then tell us the difference between what, what you're doing here versus, say, something that we can expect at another university or another institution. Yeah, I, I guess for us... Um, it's important to have a, a point of difference. And if we're just, you know, replicating or duplicating yeah. every other sports or, or exercise and nutrition program that's around the country, um, you know, we're not, not doing our job. So for us, I guess it's, it's all about putting a, a multicultural perspective on well-being um, and trying, I guess, to, to ensure that there's cultural validity in terms of the approach that we're promoting with our students and, and with our whanau. Um, so the Kawa Oranga program is is about just that. It's about giving students um, a range of experiences that um, affect them not only physically but, you know, spiritually, um, socially, um, intellectually, you know, in, in the broadest sense so that um, they can see that, you know, exercise and nutrition are, are part and parcel of the overall well-being package and I think that's often overlooked by by non-Māori institutions and, and I think it's something which um, ought to be regarded as uh, you know an effective approach in terms of um, promoting well-being amongst uh, Māori cohorts. So what's an example of, of, of that, of what you're talking about? Yeah, um, and again, it's a good question. We're, what we're trying to do, I guess, is to encourage our, our students, but also our, our staff, to, um, to take up opportunities um, to enhance their own sense of, of well-being, and not only in the physical sense, but in, in every other way. Um, what we've done this year is had a, a huge focus on returning to maunga, awa, uh, roto, moana. So mountains, rivers, yep. lakes, the sea. All of the things that um, we talk about in our pipiha, but don't necessarily get there physically. Mm. Um, so part of, I guess, you know, we talked about cultural validity. Part of that is saying to, to our people that, you know, we have these pipiha, um, these spiritual and you know important places in in our own specific iwi, um, but it's probably a great opportunity to to engage with those areas in a physical sense. You know, to actually run up that taumata, um, to swim in that moana, and to to really retrace the the footsteps of our tupuna because that's what they were doing. 
um, I guess with anything, you know, over time, um, we've stopped doing that and we've we've stopped really having that, that physical relationship with the right. land. Right, so that's if somebody says, like my mountain, um, Komo Takumonga, that's my Maunga. But so you're saying, Mayhana, um, I'm just trying to kind of interpret this that mm. um, to fully feel connected to your pepeha, which is where you are from, to actually physically go there, as opposed to saying, yeah, I'm from Moal, but I haven't been there for about 25 years. You know, that's right. Mm. And, and I do think um, to take that a little bit further, you know, when you're talking about the, the issue of exercise and, and all those things with, with Māori, um, we're trying to, to look at ways that are sustainable for our people. And just the the act of going up, walking up or, or running up a, a maunga that has some relevance to that whanau or that person, um, there's, there's an importance in terms of the spiritual connection. And, and that importance is probably something which you won't find by sending someone off to a gym to say, you've mm-hmm. got to go into this little whare here four times a week. Yeah. Um, but there's not necessarily that, that connection. And so as a result, um, I guess there's this sense of reluctance to go into a place that might be sort of foreign, um, and it doesn't necessarily have that um, that importance or that connection. So it's about you know exploring those things, I think, for, for us anyway. That's really, really interesting, because I was thinking, yeah, how could you possibly... I mean, you know, you understand the importance of well-being and te tenana and te hiningaro, but then how does that translate into... Te Whare Oranga and this mm. fantastic new sports complex that's about to be built, that is being built. So that's really, really interesting. And, and when you talk about taia or the environment, do you mean, you know, the physical act of picking harakeke or...? Yeah, again, that's um, it's something that we, we look at in a, a number of programmes here at Te Wainawarokawa. For, for Kawa Oranga, um, it's looking at all those things in terms of a, an exercise context. So it's trying to, to get people to look outside and to start by looking outside and trying to to figure out whether or not there's an opportunity to exercise in those spaces um, and trying to work out a way that that can be done. Um, so a little example for us is we've got Pukekaraka, which is a, a taumata, a summit just out the back of the Wānanga mm-hmm. here um, by Te Pau Tainui Marae. And um, we've started taking groups of, of staff up that taumata once a week they run up trying try and get up as many times as they can but at the same time um, you know they're re-engaging with some of the kōrero around that that marae and, and that taumata and it's also I think just a way of unlocking some of the um, I guess some of the um, the history behind mm-hmm. those those areas um, but in, a, in an exercise context. So is it kind of like it's not it's kind of hidden exercise? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, there's, there's additional outcomes. There's eh? additional outcomes. Yeah. yeah. There's not this the single focus on you know I must get up there in this set amount of time. There is a focus though on high intensity, and it's something we're really pushing. And it's really just um, again you know I talked about what our tupuna did, and and you know in earlier times. You know, Māori were very, very um, capable at, at working to a really high intensity physically. Fishing. And those um, fishing, um, hunting, hunting, gathering, gathering. You know, all those things, swimming, um, at running long, long distances. Um, and over time, those things have, have become less prevalent. Mm. And so we're sort of saying to people, you know, let's, let's go there, but um, focus around a high intensity. 
and and get something meaningful as well from from that experience so yeah i mean it seems to be um an approach which i guess our people have have warmed to um they don't necessarily like <laughs> working in that really high intensity but afterwards there's this huge sense of satisfaction that hey i did get up there taumata you know three or four times last week i only got up there twice so Mayhana, uh we are well, a few metres away from the new sports <laughs> complex. Yep. Um, it's huge. How big yep. is it going to be? Um, very big. And, and that's not by accident, actually. It's, it's by design. Um, I, I guess the whole whare has been designed with um, a response to, to what our people need. Um, and that goes back to a lot of the, the Māori narrative around Rangi and Papa and, and their tamariki and you know, the fact that um, when the children of Rangi and Papa we're wanting more space. A common comment that you hear from Māori who, who go to gyms is that there's not enough space and that um, in order to feel comfortable in, a, in an exercise environment, they need to feel comfortable in that space. And so that's what we've tried to prioritise with the design of this, this whare is to, to give people a, a sense that um, they can spread out and that um, they've got enough room to move. And so that's really important for, for our people, I think. Yeah, so it's, it is a big building. Um, but you know that's, I guess, for us the, the priority is to try and make our um, our people feel at home, and that they've got a lot of room to move, and that um, you know space isn't an issue. Let's um, cross the road, cool. Mahana, and we'll just get a little bit closer to this footy. Um, you can kind of tell from the outside that that would be a basketball court. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that's a um, there's inside that space. There's room for two full-sized. Um, Basketball, netball courts, indoor sports courts. It, it's also sort of set aside as well for things like kapahaka. Oh. Um, and Otaki would need a venue like this, would they? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. We, we definitely it's need a venue cool. to be able to cater to um, all of those sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the other thing that's been, I guess, at the, at the forefront of our thinking is that the the design of the building needs to meet the needs of um, not only our place, I guess, but, but the needs of others in the community too. And so this is the result of, what, 10 years from its original idea? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and it's it's grown in that time. The, the size of the building has grown. And the reason we can't really get quite close to the facility is that it's still being built. Still being built, So yep. it's kind of cordoned off. It's, it's, and there's yeah, porta, uh, uh, portable buildings around the uh, complex for the builders. Yep, that's right. It's um, due to open in the last weekend of February next year. So we've had a, a really good team, um, which are the Fletcher's construction team, working on it. Um, they've actually been able to, to employ a lot of local labour, local oh, local whanau, which yeah. has been awesome. So there's a lot of Māori working on, on the building side as well, which has been um, important for us, you know, just having the opportunity to get our people involved in it. Um, we've also um, engaged with Tenant Brown, which is a, a Wellington-based architectural company. Um, they've done a couple of other projects which have had a, a kaupapa Māori um, focus to them as well. Mana Tamariki in Palmerston North has been one of their, one of their buildings. Um, and so they've been quite instrumental in terms of just you know, working out a design that, that sort of fits our needs. Now, Ngāpurapura. Ngāpurapura. That's the name, isn't it? That is the name, and it was a name which we were fortunate enough to have given to us by our Purutanga Māori, which is our Kaumatua collective uh, here at the Wāranga. It's a reference to um, the Kākano, 
and um, the seed. The seeds, yep. And we have a whakatauki here at the Wananga, e Koreo e Ngaro, e Kakano e Ruya mai e Rangiatea, which you know sort of loosely translated means um, <laughs> means that the seed which was sown in Rangiatea is never lost. So it's, it's speaking to the importance of maintaining traditions and customs, tikanga and kawa, but but looking to the future as well. So in the building where you can see that um, unfinished part straight yes. ahead of us, yep. um, we're about to have a, a big kākano moved in there, and it's being built at the moment in Matamata. A big and it's kākano. A, a big kākano, so it's a wooden seat, and um, that's going to be moved into the front part of the, the whare there, but essentially the kākano is a place for um, the, I guess, the... Um, the tikanga and kawa side of things, um, bringing manuhiri into the whare, um, being able to, to draw on things like karakia, um, pre and post exercise, um, coming into a arunanga or a hui type environment um, free of distractions, wow. kind of exploring, I guess, the concepts around rongo, um, not just to matauinga in the gym or in the sports court, but actually <laughs> trying to um, you know, emphasise the importance of having some... Uh, some quiet, reflective time as well, and you know, time to contemplate, um, you know, things like whānau and and all those all those kaupapa which are important to us. And so, pura pura, the kupu comes off kākano. Yeah. So, now pura pura was actually um, described when when Tuarangorokawa was was established in 1981, um, and it was a term used to describe us being the. I guess the descendants, um, the uri or the you know the mokopuna of those who have gone before us, and um, so it's a reference to, to people, but it's also a reference to potential um, in terms of seeds that that grow and uh, you know and, and eventually become brako or trees, and so it's it's also a reference to the transformation that um, that our people undergo when they hear the wananga. Um, just to kind of give you an overall idea of what, what's in the whare, so down, down the very end there, um, there's a resistance training area which has got a focus on, um, it's a little bit different to other gyms, it's, it's the focus on um, groups of people coming in and doing the same types of exercises at the same time in te reo. Um, if, if you're familiar with CrossFit, it's sort of an equivalent, I guess, of, of the CrossFit principle of engaging people together. Nice. Um, so that's, that's one part of it. Next door to that, there's a couple of classrooms and there's a, a nutrition whare as well, which has got a focus around um, not just healthy kai, but actually exploring um, traditions of growing and harvesting and hunting and gathering kai. And a lot of those traditions have been lost. So it's an opportunity for us to re-engage with whānau around this rohi and beyond to try and come in and, and have a kōrero to us about, you know, tuna, Hapuka, oh, all those sorts of kai that, you know, that were big in this area. Yeah. And, um, Before we were introduced to, like, yeah, to, you heavy, know, laden, yeah, sugary exactly. foods. All, yep. all those things, those processed foods, which we, you know, which are commonplace now. So it's kind of rediscovering some of the traditions around kai, but also, you know, the concept of, of manakitanga too. Um, so it gives us an opportunity to be able to engage with ringawira um, from oh, marae nice. and to be able to bring them in um, and to do that in te reo. And to talk about you know different things, different tikanga around kai. Kapoi, and so the big uh, kākano is going in there. Yeah, in a couple, couple of, of weeks. Yeah, a couple of sports courts over there. Yeah. Any pool facilities? 
It no, might just uh, been a bit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> asking for too much. No, a lot of people ask that, but our yeah. budget didn't quite stretch that far. We were on a pretty tight budget. Yeah. We've, we've actually had to pull out a lot of things that were on the wish list oh, from, our, yeah. from our staff. The pool was a big one, but now we've actually got an awesome swimming pool here in Otaki Haruatai, which yeah, we actually we use a lot and we take our staff and students down here a lot. Um, real good relationship with them too. So. Um, Oh, what are we talking about? The beach the is just five minutes that yeah, way, yeah, isn't yeah. it? The beach yeah. is just down the road. So you know, one of the challenges we're looking at at the moment is whether we can um, train up some of our people to swim out to Kapiti and back or um, from Kapiti back here to, to shore. And again, it's just, you know, it's a, an event which happened in the 1800s. There was a, a tupuna by the name of Kahi Tarangi who had a, a crook baby. She mm-hmm. lived out on Kapiti. Yaikinga Kōrero, according to the story, she, she put the baby on her back and swam in from, from Kapiti to, um, to Paraparaumu and took her baby to the, to the doctor. Got there in time and the baby survived. So um, that's something on our wish list. Relive that story. Yep, and reenact um, you know, the re-enact. deeds that she, she achieved. Kia ora. Well, thank you, Mehana. We're outside uh, what is soon to be uh, Ngā Pura Pura opening 2012 here at Te Whare Wānanga o Raukawa in Ōtaki. Kia ora, Mehana. Tēnā koe. Kia ora. Kia ora Hana and next year, yes, we're already talking about next year because this year is just whizzing by. Justine will be at the opening. I'm Mariah Rakaraku. And I'm Justine Murray and this is Te Ahi Ka. Mariah, when you were at school, at 17 or 18, how serious were you about academic achievement and at the time were you thinking then about how you would fit within your iwi? Well, I took my iwi stuff for granted. I was brought up around it pretty strongly on both sides of my whanau and education was really important in my family so it was always something that was just there but 17 or 18 I mean does anyone know what they want to do in their lifetime at 17 or 18? What did you want to be? I wanted to be either a, oh there were a couple of things, a lawyer, a journalist, a social worker. I ended up doing all of them and then the careers advisor suggested that I be an undertaker. Undertaker? That's right, Justin. Can you imagine that? As a Māori, working with dead bodies, I'd be sloshing myself with water all the time. <laughs> Saying karaki every five seconds. So you weren't thinking about you and how you would fit in with, say, tūhoi o ngātikahunganu, your iwi, at that time? No, not at all. That comes later. That comes later. That comes life experience later, you know. Good on kids if they're really focused on that at that age, but nah, not for me. So I guess for me... I was kind of already thinking about, you're right, radio, journalism, about my career. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've actually thought about the question, how can I now give back to my iwi? Well, that's changed, obviously. Now, earlier this year, Justine was in Rotorua where she spoke to a few te arawa rangatahi and asked them what they think their contribution is to the future of their iwi. My name's Sunny. Uh, I'm from, from te arawa. Uh, I to Rotorua Boys High. And I'm 19. Kia ora, um, ko Tomairangi Makrae Tōku Ingwa, uh, no Te Arawa Hukiahau, um, Ngāti Whakaue. Te uh, kau mawaru oku pakeke, ana i haere au ki te kura kaupapa Māori o te kura o te koutu. Kia ora, ko Rahira Budwa Tōku Ingwa, uh, te kau mawhetu oku pakeke, na, no Te Arawa Tonu Ahau, Kia ora rahira, rahira, kia ora um, So we'll start with um, Sunny. We're here at a Rangatahi Working Party, basically talking about the development or the, um, the aspirations of Te Arawa Rangatahi. So what does that mean to you? What does the future look like for, for you? <coughs> um, 
uh, I don't know, it's like, it'll, it's interesting because like, where, like just the way that technology is now and like where Facebook and all, like, all the social stuff, so like, it's a lot easier for, for the rangatai to like do, to express themselves, so like, I don't know, I think it'll be a cool, bright future. <laughs> yeah, I'd just like to help, just help um, all the rangatai, because I do um, music producing and stuff, so um, yeah, I'd just like to help with whatever way I can. Where do you, what do you think you have to contribute to to the development of rangatahi in Te Arawa? Um, well, I suppose, you know, still, still being a rangatahi myself, uh, it, it's probably good to have that perspective. I, I guess if I can help out in any way, yeah, I'm all for it. That totoko for the iwi and rangatahi of the future. So Tomarangi, um, you're 18. Yes. Is that year 13? Uh, I was year 13 last year. Oh, so year... Yeah. Is there, so year I'm, I'm sort of having a gap year at the moment. Oh, OK. Yeah. So were you involved in career expos and visiting other universities and being inspired by um, by education in terms of, 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 of furthering yourself and your skills? Yeah, well, most of the kura or I'm pretty sure all of the kura around here, um, we have career expos and stuff like that. And so, you know, you, we go, and I was actually yeah, inspired by a lot of um, the Auckland University um, stores and just all the university stores in general as of, oh, with what they all offer. Because, I mean, they all have different options and it's just good to hear everything. It's good to know about everything that's out there so you don't sort of think, you know, you only have one way, mm-hmm. one way to go. But do you um, think about, and I mean, you know, you're only 18, and gosh, that was so many years ago that I was 18, but do you think, to, your, do you think to you, no, no, it was, it was years ago, do you think, I'm going to do this, 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 and come back home? Do you ever, are you in that stage of your life where yep. you're going to do A, B, C, and then come home? Oh, I don't know what A, B, C is. I might be doing yeah. A to maybe like um, Z, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> have all these different things, but I definitely w- want to come back and you know, settle down and raise my tamariki here because this is where I'm from and this is where I think Rotorua, you know, it's definitely a very good place to bring up your tamariki and especially for the real. I want to come home eventually. I'll go out and do all, all the things I want to do and come home and, you know, be a real big um, kaiafina. What school do you go to in Rotorua? Um, I go to Western Heights High School. Yeah. Yep. Have you always been into te reo, kapahaka, performing? Always, always. I was, was born and bred that way. Born through Kohanga, went to Kurukaupapa Māori, um, found high school more opportunities um, at Western Heights High School. Um, and then I've just carried on my deal, done kapaka since forever, been hitting points since I was three, type of thing. Um, yeah, born and bred te reo Māori, kapaka, tikanga Māori, those type of things. I mean, I know you're only young, but how do you, in your observations in, in kapahake and te reo, how do you see the state of te reo Māori within Rotorua and especially amongst rangatahi? Um, it's slowly coming back, slowly making itself back, um, 
with Kohanga Reo and Kaupapa Māoris because we've got a few now, now that we've got Ngāti Rongomai and... Um, Is that a hapu here? Yeah, it's a Farikura now. For, oh, Farikura. Oh. Yeah. So it's a Te Reo Māori speaking kura and yeah, it's slowly coming back and through Kapaka, let's say, because um, I was at, in the Matatini as well, there was a few of just, half of the group was just rangatahi for Ngāti Yeah, half of us were all under 18, so it just goes to show that the generation is coming back and I just feel like, so it should be, eh? Choice. Um, okay, this is a question. If you had to stand in front of the mayor of Rotorua and suggest changes to Te Arawa or implement something from a from a voice from a youth voice, yeah. what would you what would you say to him? Um oh, I'd be selfish to ask. Can te reo Māori be compulsory? Can no matter where you come from, no matter race you are can you still learn te reo Māori? Whether you're going to start from kohanga reo speaking and you're 18 years old, I reckon it should just come that, back that way. Um, I might be seen as, oh, that's a bit of hey, a Hey, you can have anything. Mr Mayor might be going, no, no, no. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Uncle Trevor might be going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, but I, <laughs> no, that's choice. The future of Te Arawa in, in regards to rangatahi, you know, input and the shaping of Te Arawa, involvement with Te Arawa, Rōpū and groups. How do you think you fit in without, within that? Um, I just want to be another voice for the youth because not everyone can... Or not all, all the youth because, I don't know, maybe they don't know where they come from or maybe they're unsure of what they want to do. I just want to be their voice because, um, yeah, I think I can be. Kia ora, Tomairangi McRae, Sunny Bishop and Rahira Bidwa. Ko ngā rangatahi, ngā rangatira moa pōpō. Young people today are the leaders of tomorrow. I guess one way of looking at this whakatauki is looking at it as a wero, a challenge for us, that in order to really nurture the leadership of the future, we need to be grooming our tamariki, our rangatahi now. The way that Ngā Parihupa was groomed, while she's able to look back on her lifetime and see it is that she didn't realise the significance of it as she was growing up, and the way in which Tomairangi Sunny and Rahira approach their future. Ai, kia ora marae. That's us for this week. Next week, I'm at Taraya Marae in Pakipaki, that's just out of Hastings, where once every six weeks a podiatrist drops in to service the locals' feet. And like, oh, MG, I'm like with Norm, like Heke, the artist behind the exhibition OMG Māori Gods in the 21st Century, held at Te Pātaka Museum in Porirua, Wellington. Katsukuna e māwa komaraya, a ngā mihi aroha ki te whānau a whatu moana paki. E mihi tēnā ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. Atu e tērā ki ngā kai hanga kōrero i runga i te rorohiko ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu. Mai te whānau a te ahikā ki a tātou katoa. Mauri ora.